0: starting at verse 22 until the end. Jesus is talking about entering the kingdom of God. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you, or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go and tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Liz. Do please be seated. Uh, for any who are new here today, let me say, I'm Jonathan G. am the vicar here, and let me add my own welcome to that that Andy gave earlier. Andy and I were having a chat earlier this week. He got us to kneel, which we rarely do in prayer, early, uh, a few weeks ago, and I thought that was really helpful. And I thought, I wonder if we should stand for the reading of Scripture. So if you find that helpful, let us know, and we, we may do that more. Um, For those who are visitors among us, to explain, we're going through the whole of Luke's Gospel, we're taking 18 months to do it. We started at Advent and read the Christmas readings at Christmas, and we're going to finish at Easter uh, with the Easter story, and we'll do the Christmas readings from another Gospel when we get there. Uh, Just before I pray, I read this from that great Chinese leader, Watchman Nee, a wonderful quote on Jesus Uh, popped up on Juliet's Facebook, which I occasionally look at. I don't have Facebook myself, but sometimes I spy on other people through her Facebook. But actually, this this cropped up, and it, it edified me. How rare to be edified through Facebook. Anyway, there we are. Watchman Nee said this. Jesus was the greatest man in history. He had no servants, yet they called him master. He had no degree, but they called him teacher. He had no medicines, but they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crimes, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. Isn't that glorious? I thought that was fantastic. So I'll start with that before I pray, and now I'm going to pray, and then we'll crack on with the sermon. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. We praise you that you are alive, that you are the Lord of lords and King of kings, You are the source of all life and joy and peace. Praise you for that testimony from Julie earlier about the difference you've made in her as she's come to know you. And as we come to this passage about this narrow way, we all feel the tension. We want your life. We don't like the narrow way. But we pray that you'd come and fill us with your spirit. Help me as I teach. Help us as we think. That each of us will be better keeping in step with you. And we pray for all of us you'd show the next step for us. And we ask it in your name. Amen. So Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. This bit in the middle of Luke, uh, he said a few chapters ago, Jesus has set his face like flint for Jerusalem. And he's working his way, verse 22 and 23 tell us that he's working his way through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way. Presumably he's talking about salvation. Because this question crops up. Someone asked, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? It's a kind of strange question if he's not talking about salvation and being saved. But how many are going to be saved? It is a great question. If everybody's going to be saved, it really doesn't matter what you do, does it? But if only a few, then it really does matter. And am I one of them or am I not? And what about my friends or family? Are they or are they not? Uh, It is still a great question. What does Jesus really mean by this? Is there really heaven and hell? Will some people spend an eternity with God in life and joy and peace and others an eternity without God? Is that really true? How can we know? How can we be sure? Who? How? So this is a cracking question. It's not just a sort of belitter, a little bit of religious, um, keeping, the, keeping the conversation going. It's, if you like, the question, who will be saved? Now, the big story of the Bible, if we, before we zoom in on Luke's gospel, is that God's made all of us in his image and to know him. And they put Adam and Eve in the garden, which was such a beautiful place with so much potential. And God said, no, just... You have any, eat all of it you like, just not that one. That's the kind of reminder that God is God and they're not. And Adam and Eve disobeyed. It looked tempting, but they disobeyed and shame came in and guilt and fear and breakdown down a relationship with God and with each other. And that is the story of the world we live in, that we're made by God, but we're fallen, we're sinful. And Jesus came to save us from that. But in order to realise how wonderful this is, we need to realise how bad the fall is. Uh, Put A couple of verses from St Paul that I used in the evening a couple of weeks ago. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is all of us. We're not throwing stones at anybody else. Trying to compare yourself with others is futile. You'll always find people better than you and people worse than you. It's God's standard that counts, and we all fall short. That's the definition of sinning, of just falling short of the mark. And the result of that, Romans 6, 23, is death. The wages of sin is death. Now, we're still alive physically, but death set in. People die spiritually, cut out out of touch with God. And if that's how they are when they die, that's the way it stays eternally. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That is what God wants for you. He wants eternal life. That is why Jesus came. And when the Bible's talking about salvation, that is what it's talking about, being Saved from a life without God and the effects of sin to a life with God in relationship with him. Uh, So verse 23 of our passage is a great question. Who will be saved? And it's a huge question. And one of the advantages of going through Luke and not missing any bits out is that we have to deal with this. Sometimes when you get lecturers or picking, you miss out bits. And we, we don't hear as much about salvation and judgment in these days, as we used to uh, generations ago, there was probably too much preaching on heaven and hell and judgment. And now there's probably not enough. We need to get the balance, and this is a good corrective for us. Uh, so three points—they may not be quite sharp enough to be points—but three aspects, three areas of the sermon. And the first of all is this big picture: that Jesus came for our salvation. That's why he came. And we'll look at this from Luke's gospel as a whole before we narrow down into this particular passage. So cast your mind back to Christmas and the song of the angels and the joy of the shepherds. And the angels say to the shepherds... It always feels weird reading these uh, when it's not December, but uh, it wouldn't have been December then. It was probably spring when Jesus was born because the sheep wouldn't have been on the hills. But we can't celebrate Christmas and Easter at the same time. We do it in December. Sorry, that's a rabbit hole. Don't don't, don't go there. Here, here Here is the angel saying to the shepherds, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a what has been born? A Saviour. That was who Jesus came to. Be. His very name, Jesus, means God saves, God to the rescue. He is the Messiah, the Lord. His name means God saves. He's come to save. Uh, and he on his own lips. We'll get at the end of this term, before we get to Christmas, we'll get as far as Luke 19. This is as far as we're going. This is what he said uh, at the end of the Zacchaeus story. For the Son of Man, that's him, came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus has come. So of course he's talking about salvation as he goes through the towns and the villages. In a few weeks' time, we'll get to Luke 15, a whole story about lost being found or saved. We have the lost coin and the lost sheep and the two lost sons the one who was lost very obviously and the one who was lost very inwardly. Uh, But Jesus says this in Luke 15, I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents or one sinner who is saved, if you like. So this is the big picture of Luke's Gospel, that Jesus has come for our salvation to bring forgiveness, to restore us to relationship with him so we can be part of his great family. We just prayed that prayer Our Father. We can call his Father our Father. We're part of his family. We can be part of his kingdom, which has broken in now. There's aspects of all the good of his kingdom, but it's not fully here. We're still in a fallen world with all the mess. But when he returns on that great day, and every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Love that in the first song, Michael's song, that we sang to start with. When the nations bow before him. Uh, then the joy will be over all, and all things will be restored. So there's wonderful good news that we have. There is a saviour. People are more and more saying, what's gone wrong with the world? Or well, we can say, Jesus explains it. The world is sinful. It's turned its back on God. But there is a saviour. We have good news. If you're in one of those conversations this week, please then add, would you like to find out more? Come to our Alpha course. It's a really good time. Uh, The better time to ask it is just before the Alpha course begins than four weeks in. It's just really easy to invite, so please do. Uh, But Jesus goes on to say, and he doesn't answer the question sort of directly, but he goes on to say that not everybody will be saved. So let's pick this up again, our reading. Back to our reading. This is Luke 13 from verse 24. He says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell, will try to enter will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he'll answer, I don't know you or where you came from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. But he'll reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There'll be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and take their places at the feast of the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. Jesus doesn't answer how many will be saved, but he says make every effort for you to make sure you are one of them. Because there will come a day when it's too late. That day has not yet come. It's not too late for anybody. But on that day, there will be a surprise. Some who think they'll be in will be excluded. But others you think will be out will be included. And the whole gospel tells us that Jesus is the dividing point, if you like. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. So there is an urgency to this. Verse 24 again. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. So instead of answering it philosophically about how many will be saved, he kind of says to this person, make sure that you are. Uh, From time to time over the years, people have asked me a a really good question. uh, What about those who've never heard? That's a great question, isn't it? Uh, And I talk about God's justice and his light, but then I usually say, but you have heard. What are you going to do? It's a, and it's a bit like this. There's a, How many will be saved, Lord? Sounds like a nice academic question. Jesus says, make sure you are. Because not everybody will be. And the truth is that Jesus divides people into two groups so often. Uh, to take the parallel passage from Matthew about the narrow door, Matthew 7, 13 to 14. I think we're skipping over one, sorry, I'm, I give my verses to, um, to our heroes on projection and then I do them in the wrong order and they're trying to follow me through. Can we just show appreciation for our technical team, by the way? <laughs> but have we got Matthew seven thirteen and 14 or did I not highlight that? There it is, brilliant. Look at that, it's, it's marvellous. We take it for granted and there it is. Uh, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Uh, this is included in the Sermon on the Mount. But you can imagine Jesus teaching this as he goes through the towns and the villages. Salvation is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. You only need to repent to turn, change your mind and turn round. repent from your sin. You can be part of it. And you can be saved. And the quick Q&A that comes, he could often have said this. We get it in Matthew, we get it in Luke. There are two roads. There's a broad road and there's a narrow road. The narrow road is more demanding. And fewer are on it. There are two groups. There are few on the narrow road and there are many on the broad road. So you might think, well... They must have got it right. There's so many of them. But there are two destinations. The broad road leads to destruction and the narrow road leads to life. Jesus wants us to have life now and for all eternity. And when you listen to people on the broad road, if you look at their Instagrams, it looks like they're having the most amazing life. But deep within, it's not always the case, as we know. On the broad road, it seems so wonderful. And some people genuinely are very happy. But an awful lot deep down know there's something missing. We have more anxiety, more unhappiness now than ever in our nation. Because it's the narrow road that leads to life. And we don't do anybody any favours by trying to make them comfortable on the broad road. Because it's heading for destruction. We need to point them to the narrow road. And there are two gates. There's a narrow gate that leads to the narrow road that leads to life. And there's a broad, you probably don't even notice you go through the gate uh, when you're onto the broad road. But the narrow gate's like one of those turnstiles at a stadium where you can only go through one at a time. And it's too narrow to take all your baggage with you. You can't take your sin with you and your lusts and your pride and your greed and your selfishness. They have to be left behind. So there is division. And Jesus brings this division. There's wheat and there's tares, there's wise and there's foolish, there's for him, there's against him. And we get it in today's passage again. And shockingly, this was just a few weeks ago, Luke twelve, fifty one to fifty three, Jesus said, This Do you think I've come to find peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. He's come to bring peace with God, yes. But the effect of that is dividing us into two groups. From now on, there'll be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. They'll be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother in law against daughter in law, daughter in law against mother in law. You get the point. Jesus has come to bring peace with God, but those who take it wind up in a different group from those who don't. I remember when I was a student. Uh, There was more people had grown up in church then, obviously, than today. Uh, And it was one of those seasons, there was a CU mission week explaining the gospel. I remember someone I played a lot of tennis with saying to me, so you believe I'm going to hell, do you? So that was an interesting conversation. And then he said, well, I don't mind going to hell, all my mates will be there. And I said to him, actually, there won't be any mates in hell because God is the source of life and joy and friendship and the absence of God means that it's selfishness is what's there and what reigns. And in this life it's all muddled up. But Jesus came that we choose life. Uh, So this matters. This really matters. So that's the big picture, that Jesus came to save us. Uh, And Jesus weeps when people reject him. And that brings us to the second theme, the bit at the end of our passage. Let's read this again. Jesus' heart of compassion over Jerusalem. So even if not much heart of compassion for Herod, we'll see. Luke 13, 31 to 35. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go and tell that fox. I'll keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I'll reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. Surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. And then this outburst of his heart over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets, you stone those sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house has left you desolate. I tell you, you won't see me again till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, we know that God has made us in his image, male and female. And here's a tender feminine image of God uh, in the person of Jesus, longing to gather people like a hen gathers her chicks. Jesus is still Jesus, and he tells us to call God Father, so we have no... No excuse for changing those words. But there's this tender compassion, and we see it in Jesus, especially for those who reject him. He knows the good will be if they accept him and know forgiveness and life and joy. And he knows how awful it will be if they reject him. Be awful immediately for the, the years when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, be awful for all eternity. And this is the extraordinary thing about God that he has given us free will to accept him or reject him. And that free will means that many do reject him. And that leads to misery and evil. Why does God allow it? Well, presumably because our free will is more important to God than the absence of evil. The dignity of being human. That's why we must treat every human being with total dignity. Is God gives us this freedom to choose? And uh, that free will is so important that Jesus comes, he doesn't force himself on Jerusalem. He comes, we'll think in a moment about his dying for Jerusalem. And he longs to gather them, but they weren't willing. And it's like Jesus opens the door. There are lots of hymns, aren't there, about he opens the door to heaven of that there is a green hill. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. Uh, He opens the door, but he can't force us in. He won't. He invites us. And there are some of you today he's inviting in today. Others of you will remember back to the day when you crossed over. You've heard my story often enough. But I thought bowing the knee to Jesus as my Lord, going through the narrow door onto the narrow road, was going to restrict my life. And in some sense it does. But I was bowled over by the joy that came. Julie earlier talked about the peace that came. Came on Alpha to sort out the questions, having sorted them out, says yes to Jesus, and then the peace. But that's what you experience on the narrow road. When we hanker after the broad road, or get back onto it for a season, we lose that joy and peace. And there are some today that God is calling back. Now we have good news Jesus wants life. Jesus brings forgiveness. But it's not automatic. He tells us we have to repent. He tells us we have to trust. Uh, this relationship with God that will last for all eternity starts now. And that is good news. You can be forgiven from the penalty of sin now. It can be forgiven. The rest of our life, God will be at work in you, freeing you from the power that sin has. It's a long, slow road of sin losing its grip on us. And one day, when we die or when Jesus comes again, whichever is first, we'll be free even from the very presence of sin in the life of joy and love. And our vision as a church is to give everyone in this area a meaningful opportunity to respond to this gospel, this good news of Jesus in the next 10 years. We said by Easter 2033. We can't do it all on our own. We want to do it with others around this area. Uh, and all around the world, the, the, the reason for that 10 years is 2033 will be the 2000th anniversary of the resurrection by our calendar. So, but all around the world, others are doing this. Rick Warren, who founded Saddleback Church, has a vision that... Finally, all the Bible translations are done. That every people group has a new Testament, at least in their scripture, in their language, over the next 10 years. There's been amazing Bible translation work done, but it's not there yet. And a vision that every people group has a body of believers within range. Nikki Gumbles said, Yeah, I like this 10 year vision. I want everyone to have an invitation to Alpha by (laughs) by 10 years' time. Uh, And we're just saying, We like this 10 year vision. Let's really work with those around us, are giving everybody a meaningful opportunity to respond to this good news. It is good news. But there's a, there's a decision to be made. There's a narrow road. Uh, so we need to give everybody the opportunity. Uh, I'm on the wrong page on my notes. That explains, Zach, why you um, you, you got the verse wrong. I've... One question I've asked myself is, why is it that we see so few people at the end of their life turning to Jesus. You would think you'd get more deathbed conversions, wouldn't you? If this matters, when, when people get to the end of their life and, uh, they, and they're thinking about eternity, why don't we see more and more? We see a few, and it's wonderful when that happens. But what we've learned is that the way you train yourself in the small things of life now affects probably how you will react when the big crises of life come. When you turn to Jesus, to God, in minor crises, that's the way you'll turn to him in the big crisis. When you turn away from him, and we live in a generation that uses Jesus' name as a swear word and says, my God, it's not a turning to God, it's turning away. I fear for, that, for this generation is they're just training themselves to turn away from God. I remember being really shocked about 40 years ago. Some of you will remember the Tenerife Air Disaster of 1977. Those of you who are older than me may remember that. What happened was there was a problem at Tenerife South Airport, so everything got diverted to Tenerife North. They had a pile-up of planes, and the weather was bad. There was some cloud coming in. And there was a terrible communication, miscommunication, such that as one plane was taxiing down the runway, another plane took off. And they couldn't see it. And they hit each other. Almost everybody on those planes died. Uh, You can Google it, one of the results that is much better communication (laughs) with pilots across the world. So nothing like that has happened again since. But when the black boxes were found, and listening to what was happening, there were voices of people in the crash cursing God. And I remember someone saying, why would people do that? when they're just about to meet him. And it was the psychologist who said, the way we train ourselves in the small things is what happens in the big thing. When the, the way we train ourselves day by day by day, the choices to God against him affect how we are in the, in the big. So we need to urge folks to train themselves to God. We used to live in a world, or, those of us my age or grew up, with learning the Lord's Prayer in schools and morning and evening prayer. It doesn't happen so much. The next generation is not being taught. And we're praying that God would send his Spirit on our nation and turn people back to him. And there are hints of that, actually, among the student population and young adults. There's a, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Lord sent his Spirit and there was a revival in our nation? But we need to be ready to point people towards the narrow door and the narrow way. It is the way to life. And this matters. There will be a division. Uh, let me come into land now. Uh, I've done part of my third point already. But the third thing is that Jesus is heading for the cross to make this possible. So verse 31 to 33, we'll just pick that up again. Uh, let's go on to the next bit. Let's, there I must press on, surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. This is where it's heading. Jesus has come not to... He doesn't want anybody to be excluded. He doesn't want anybody to wind up cut off for all eternity. He wants people to be saved, and he gives his life for this. And he gives his life so we can know forgiveness and joy and peace and love for all eternity. And those are the things we've been celebrating in song and we rejoice in, and we easily take for granted when we've been part of the church for so long. And this passage makes us wake up Not everybody will be saved. This really matters. And Jesus has given us this vision to share the good news. So we want to be better at it, and we will be better at it if we're better at walking the narrow road. So uh, we've got ten minutes before the children uh, get collected. If you're a visitor among us, let me tell you what's going to happen. We're going to spend a couple of minutes in quiet prayer, just praying this in, and then we'll sing a cracking hymn about what Jesus has done for us. Uh, And then every time to collect the children, there'll be an opportunity for prayer ministry. So I wonder if you'd stand. You've been sitting very patiently. And I'm going to lead in a prayer, and then we'll just be still for a minute. Lord Jesus, we bow before you. You are the Lord of lords and King of kings, and you left the glory of heaven to be born on earth as a man. You taught and you healed and you loved, but ultimately you died on that cross for our sins. So we can be forgiven. And your invitation of this good news is for the whole world. Thank you for those who explained it to us. Thank you for drawing us to you. Thank you for the life and joy and peace we know on the narrow road. Thank you for the reminder that this is a road that leads to life. But we pray you would pour your Spirit on our nation, on the people in this area, and lead to a real turning back to you. Bless all the other churches in this town, of all denominations in this area. May we be able to work together to bring the good news of Jesus to everybody, such that everybody has a meaningful chance to respond. But now let's pray for ourselves. Some of you have known the Lord for a while and you may have drifted off that narrow road and today might be a really good day to say, Lord, forgive me, help me to step back onto the right path. If it's a significant stepping back onto it for you you today, you may have been baptised in the past, maybe you want to come and talk about confirmation as giving a formal way of making that promise to follow Jesus for you. For others, it may be just the Lord's reminder to live his narrow way. But there'll be some among us who are exploring the truth of all these things, just wondering if this is true. And Jesus is inviting you to step through his narrow door onto the road that leads to life. So we're praying before the service, we're reminded of that door, the wardrobe door in Narn, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You go through this narrow door, and a whole world is opened up. But you never know till you step through it. So we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, and in the stillness, draw us after you, the next step in our relationship with you. Let's just be still. those of whom this is completely new, can I invite you to do our Alpha course, come and ask all your questions, or as keep coming back on Sundays, explore it. But I suspect there are one or two here today or watching online who've done some exploring, who need to decide. And if this is you, you might like to echo this prayer in your heart. It's a sorry and a thank you and a please prayer. First of all, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I'm sorry for ignoring you for so long. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sin Thank you that you want to set me free from my sin and selfishness and fill me with your love and joy and peace. And today I say, yes, please. Help me, Lord, to walk through that narrow door, your narrow way, and come into my life by your Spirit. Fill me with that love and joy and peace and forgiveness and give me strength to walk your way in a world that is walking the other way. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if that's